This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, been a long week on Locked On Browns. We're going to get one more out for you before we uh, you know, settle down for the weekend, unless anything breaks. And for anybody who needs to know, yes, it is. Today is Friday. Today's Locked On Browns is brought to you by Built Bar. Um, it's becoming part of my morning routine. I told you guys, I ain't no gym person or whatever. Um, but I usually wake up hungry. And the way my schedule is now that I'm home all the time, I was never really a big breakfast person anyway, so I've got to find some way to offset that now Now that I am home and I'm not just getting back to a normal routine where I'm just you know, straight up busy right out the gate here. Mint chocolate cream, my favorite one. Uh, definitely got some of that uh, Girl Scout uh, cookie taste to it. Uh, goes great with coffee. Gets you day, gets your day rolling here. Um, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Get $10 off your first box, again, at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Pete, I've been just you know, thinking about regular season and maybe it's hopes of, you know, everything starting and everything, you know, coming to fruition here where we can get a regular season to start on time here. And, you know, obviously we so much depends on when facilities are, you know, able to open and businesses are be able, you know, business, but, you know, going to be back to usual, back to normal, so to speak, for NFL, you know, for the NFL. But, you know, in a perfect, you know, if it were a perfect world here, having the Ravens week one, Pete, may not be the worst thing in the world granted difficult opponent granted it's going to be really easy for them to just you know trot on out there and do most of what they did last year obviously working some new wrinkles with players they've acquired here but it gives you a lot of time to prepare for this team uh and you know and obviously i just got into twitter here you know pete i know where your emphasis is here on what actually is you think is the key to stopping the baltimore ravens but the fact is is you get into it here and you look at the last four losses that Lamar Jackson has as an NFL quarterback, the the then San Diego, um, Los Angeles Chargers were playing five and a half defensive backs. Uh, the, uh, the Chiefs were closer to 100% nickel. The Browns were close to 100% nickel in Week Four. The Titans were well in the nickel. Um, they, you know, they were they were at about five and a half defensive backs on the field per snap that Lamar saw. It was a part of the recipe is a your offense has got to be able to score because none of it's going to matter if they can just continue to do what they do as far as running the ball, setting up great play action, working those tight ends. If your offense isn't going to score, none of it's going to matter. But you've got to get to the point where you're eliminating half of Lamar. And if you can eliminate the running game, look, you can cover against any quarterback. He's still not the most – it's not like he's one of the elite passers in the game here. You've got to try to manipulate your defense to take that run factor away. Um, So – when it comes to why you'd want to play a lot of defensive backs against a guy like Lamar Jackson, what the Ravens do, it comes down to range and it comes down to, you know, room for error. And if you play against the Ravens and you have a bunch of DBs that are pretty quick and read reasonably well, they can, you know, they can find the ball, you know, with all the fakes and, and, you know, uh, going to running back Lamar keeping whatever, uh, they can play a little bit further away. They can get a better sense of what's going on, and then they can track down the ball carrier. Whereas linebackers, at least in theory, a little bit bigger, a little bit slower, and if they make that mistake initially, they may be just out of the play entirely. And there's obviously a balance with that. But to me, it, it, it comes down to your defensive line. Um, and what the Browns were able to do last year is they sent their ends up the field uh, to contain and sort of react to what Lamar was doing. And then you get a push up the middle. 
um, and you sort of reduce the amount of area he has to work. And I think um, that is a big reason why the Browns uh, drafted uh, Jordan Elliott in the third round is if you have guys like Miles Garrett, you have guys like uh, Olivier Vernon, and you have guys like Adrian Claiborne, and they play smart uh, assignment sound football, then you have a guy who's big and strong and thrives off power more than anything. He can sort of drive, hopefully, I mean, that's, the, the goal is to be able to drive alignment into the backfield and sort of reduce the amount of space that Lamar has to work. Eliminate the ability to step up in the pocket, uh, and if he does, then you can hopefully get a, a hit on him. But, um, I mean, the Browns were one of the best teams in the league against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and they basically just ripped off what uh, the Chargers were doing and did it better uh, in terms of, you know, doing it over the course of at least six quarters until Freddie Freddie did. Uh, but just being able to sort of really control – their offense and give themselves plenty of room for error. And I think the way they've added defensive backs um, with hopefully more talent, uh, particularly at the safety position, only helps them. And now, having said that, I don't want any part of the Ravens in week one. Uh, and, and I don't, you know, I mean, uh, certainly they have to focus on it uh, to get uh, ready for them first, but I don't look at it as like they have to overstress to prepare for them. They sort of, have to deal with them regardless. Uh, when it happens, doesn't really matter. But the, the 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 stress that it puts on your team, especially when you're the Browns and you never win openers, uh, is you know you you do all this stuff, you you get ready and you're hoping to go out there, and you get to go against one of the most veteran uh, teams in the league in terms of continuity with the head coach and, and offense and everything, uh, and they've got an offensive system that they should be able to hit the ground running with. Uh, and potentially be better. And, you know, it's one of those things where you lose that game. And obviously, you know, the Titans game was, was a different animal because they just got shellacked. But, you know, it, it doesn't feel like one loss. It feels like two losses when you come out of that. The, the flip side of that is if you do get that win, if you can come out and, and sort of punch the, that uh, that juggernaut in the mouth and, and get that W, it, it, it probably feels a lot like 2-0, and o, which is certainly – a big thing and it's certainly not the end of the world uh if they lose it but you know if you if you come out and beat the ravens and you've got the redskins or the bengals and then the redskins and you could theoretically be three and oh i mean that's obviously huge two and one would be great but yeah I, that, certainly uh if it was up to me i i would pick the bengals first uh no no contest uh but you know the, it, it's a big test and it's going to be one of those can you take a punch uh, you know, have, having planned all this and in and, and this unique environment, and can you come out and respond and, and play with, you know, the, the, the easily the favorite in the division and, and arguably the, the favorite for the uh, conference? Yeah, but also, but here, if you look at it this way, though, just say weeks one and two, weeks one and two were flopped. Say you, you opened up one o'clock on Sunday with the Cincinnati Bengals, and then you got to go play Baltimore on Thursday night. On, you know, in that case, it would have been on the road here. Um, you know, I, I'd rather have two, three weeks where you have everybody tinkering, working about what's going to be the best thing to beat the Baltimore Ravens than essentially having 48 hours to do it. Um, it is a new defensive system. It is a new defensive coordinator. There are a lot of new moving parts here. Um, you, you don't essentially have the linebackers to play with this running attack. 
I mean, I just think it gives them more time, essentially, because, look, you're not really game planning too much. Um, and God knows week four preseason, you know, if they get a full preseason in week four preseason means absolutely freaking nothing to anybody that's actually been taking, you know, important downs week one. So at least it gives you it gives you more time as opposed to less, which certainly could have happened with the possibility of this. This could have easily been scheduled as a Thursday night game. Yeah, I mean, uh, my feelings on the, the week two Thursday night game is just an awful situation. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's the same way. Like, I would – if it was Sunday and Sunday, like, I would love to be able to sort of start up against the Bengals and sort of, you know, have a little bit of a runway to build up. Batting practice, uh, so to speak. Yeah, just to get, you know, you're, there's no question. You, you feel like you can do it. Um, so – it, look, I, I've said that I think the schedule is largely fair. This is not the, the team you want to come out with. But, look, you have to play them twice. So if you can come out and get a win uh, immediately, great. No, no doubt about it here. We're going to get to a little bit more here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, Friday on Locked on Browns. The best tasting par. Um, it's hard to explain unless you've actually had a built bar. Um, real chocolate, amazing flavors. Um, first time I got it and, you know, opened the box up here, Bill Barr was kind enough to send us hosts here, you know, out of sample package. We've already ordered more here. The kids are eating them. My wife's eating them. It's a great substitute if you don't have a time for a whole meal here. Um, it's not gritty. There's no aftertaste. Just good. It doesn't taste like your normal protein bar. It definitely tastes more kind of like a candy bar. Amazing combination of low calorie, high protein, and low sugar. There's no crazy additives. Um, if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, it is half the calories, seven times fewer the carbs, seven times fewer the sugar grams, and even more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good and be that good for you? That's Built Bar's secret, and they're going to keep it for themselves. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. Uh, you do not have to get your normal variety sample pack. You can go in and pick a bar. You can pick a box of 10 bars of your choosing. Um, the flavors that you want here, if you don't want to try, you know, some stuff you don't want to try or you live in a nut-free house where you can't have that stuff even in, coming in through the front door, you can customize your box so you don't have to worry about that thing, uh, worry about that at all. BuiltBar.com, www.BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and get $100 off. I mean, sorry, get $10 off. <laughs> Woo! Get $10 off your uh, first box uh, from Built Bar. Pete, we both believe that this team, it's not going to be, you know, so linebacker-centric. We watched how this team has manipulated and handled the position through the offseason. You know, through free agency, it was not something they were major targeted in. You know, waited till you know, a ladder pick in the third round to go ahead and get a linebacker here. Put together, what what is the best dime situation that this team is going to be able to put out there, Pete? Obviously, they have three safeties that they brought in this year. Um, you know, signed in a corner. I mean, is it going to be the combination of the three safeties and the three top corners on the roster? Uh, I mean, just looking at it from here, that seems like the most logical scenario, uh, but that's sort of what they have to find out. And it, it could theoretically change uh, depending on the situation. But uh, I, I have to think right this second, you're, you're, you know, you're hoping that it's some form of Denzel Ward Greedy Williams, uh, Kevin Johnson, uh, Carl Joseph, Grant Delpit, and then uh, what's his face? Uh, Sandejo from, you know, formerly of the Vikings. Like that's, I think, where they want this thing to end up. Uh, certainly you want Delpit on the field. I mean, you drafted him. He, you, you intend for him to be a, 
a big part of this team. You want him to take over that free safety spot inevitably. Um, you know, there, there's going to be a co- contest. It, it's going to be basically a competition. Who is better for you? Uh, who is better for you in terms of would you rather have a third safety or would you rather have what right now would be Terrence Mitchell or maybe an A.J. Green if he can come in and win that job? Um, are you better off with Sheldrick Redwine coming in because, you know, he's got experience in the slot. Uh, that, you know, that could be their answer for that. They, you know, they don't I – mean, Kevin Johnson has experience playing in the slot. Grant Delbert has playing in the slot. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine has playing in the slot. That's sort of your, your guys as far as that goes. So that, that would seemingly be the, the competition. A.J. Green has mentioned he's going to have to work in the slot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you could have situations where it's four safeties. Uh, I think um, because of all the things the Browns have done, um, there's an, a, sort of a temptation to forget that uh, Sheldrick Redwine is around. And, the, you know, given what they were doing with him last year, but this defense seems to want to use him in the same way. So there's certainly an opportunity for him. Uh, all right. Well, I, I had this on here. So I guess we'll just pump into this here. We can put some of this stuff to the last segment here. I think there's there's like there's three major mysteries on this team, whether it's positional groups, obviously linebacker. It's a mystery right now how any of that's going to work out. Right guard, I would say, look, I think for all intents and purposes, they'd love for Wyatt Teller to grab the position. Uh, There's certainly other guys there that they, you know, can provide a competition, so to speak here. Um, And then there is Sheldrick Redwine. Um, You know, Sheldrick Redwine was improving as the year went on last year has you know an athletic skill set that he came in here with so between those two positional groups and Sheldrick Redwine look we don't know exactly at all what they think of Sheldrick Redwine they could be extremely high on him they could not think nothing of him at all and it's really tough to read obviously they did bring in three safeties does that mean they're going to be a heavy safety you know rotation as far as playing four guys and you know it could stand a reason. It's not like red wine in a second year here in a situation may work out better for him, a little more comfortable as opposed to maybe getting him sometimes closer to the line of scrimmage and further away, which is where he struggled a little bit last year. Those right now have to be the big three biggest mystery question marks on this team are those two positional groups. And obviously what Sheldrick, Sheldrick red wine could or could not be on this roster in 2020. Say that again. As far as the three biggest mysteries are right guard, the linebacker position, and what exactly Sheldrick Redwine could be for this team. Could be a heavy contributor. Could be maybe a special teamer, if that. Um, right guard, I think that it's a two-man race. Um, you know, Drew, For- Drew Forbes is the guy I think they'd love to win that job ultimately. And, and just from a physical skill set, he has everything to be a franchise guard especially in this scheme, just remarkable strength, athleticism, everything. I think Wyatt Teller represents the baseline. Um, not unlike with Eric Cush last year, uh, obviously it's a, a much higher baseline than uh, Eric Cush. Uh, he's very good at pass protection. He's just not or has not been to this point a, a good, a really good run blocker. And, you know, hopefully that's something that he can – sort of improve as this goes along. But but as I mentioned, uh, the last pod, White Teller does not get enough credit for coming in, switching sides, and playing pretty well <coughs> to stabilize that line. So I, I, I think it's gonna, it, it should be an interesting competition. The thing that's going to stand out quickly 
is how reps are dealt out because of uh, just the situation and how fast they've got to sort of make decisions and get ready. So, you know, I, I know Bill Callahan mentioned Colby Gassett and mentioned uh, uh, the kid I like out of Tulsa, Will, uh, Willie Wright or whatever. But uh, I think those reps are going to get sorted out real quick. Uh, I think what, it, what he's mentioned is a four-man race is going to become a two-man race real fast. And then it, they may have to make a decision relatively quickly. Uh, linebacker. Uh, so the team is saying that uh, Jacob Phillips and Sione Takitaki are, are going to project at will. Um, presumably they're going to compete for that job. Uh, and, it, and it could be a situation where, you know, they sort of parcel out the job into two different responsibilities. Sione Takitaki is trying to get better in coverage and those type of things, but just not something he has a ton of experience with. And he's really good at the line of scrimmage. Um, whereas Jacob Phillips has more experience in coverage, He's pretty good at picking up backs out of the backfield. He's good dealing with crossers. Um, nothing, you know, he's not real comfortable or at least doesn't look comfortable opening up his hips and, and doing that type of stuff. But he also has really good vision for what's going on in the field. So, you know, and he may be a guy who gets sort of affected quite a bit by a lack of reps where Sione Takitaki's got a, at least a little bit from last year to sort of work off from and understand. And this is a more natural position. He played technically will at BYU, even though he's basically just a pass rusher. And then BJ Goodson is a role player. He and Andrew Billings are likely going to be a role package. You are, you come in, you stop the run and you get off the field and that backup Mike spot. Uh, since Mac Wilson was the will last year and they're talking about all these other guys, he may have a chance to be sort of the other half of Goodson, where he can come in and be sort of a coverage guy, um, he had showed some aptitude in coverage at Alabama. He can't read uh, what do, what offenses are doing like at all. That it's an area that just has to improve if he's going to, you know, stick around and be be a functioning player. But he does have some aptitude, and certainly he got an entire season's worth of reps. And you're hoping that benefits him there. Uh, and then there are guys like. Uh, Harvey and uh, some of these other guys who are sort of on the back end of the roster who if, if Mac Wilson can't do it, they're going to run in They're going to take those reps and, and, and try to steal a job. So that's sort of where I'm at on linebacker. And then, yeah, Sheldrick Redwine is interesting. Um, again, I, I think they're using, they, they are employing a defense that utilizes him in roles. He was, he, he was comfortable in playing last year. He can play in the slot. He's got great speed and he, you know, showed well for himself at free safety. And, you know, so much is determined by, you know, if Andrew Sandejo is good, I mean, he's been effective. If he can hold off Grant Delpit, uh, you know, if not, and Grant Delpit becomes the free safety, you know, it would not surprise me in the least if you see packages where Sheldrick Erbwein is also back there as essentially a too high look or he's in the slot. I mean, you could move Carl Joseph into the box as well, even though he does have some coverage ability. So there's just a lot of different things that they can do. This defense specifically likes to be able to disguise looks, likes to be able to sort of hide what they're doing and try to fool uh, opponents that way to create, you know, mistakes and force turnovers and stuff. So uh, it's especially when it comes to defensive backs, versatility is really, really useful. It just allows them to do more things and, 
You know, Sheldrick Wedwine looks like a guy who, who could end up being an odd man out just by the coaching change, but it really seems like he's going to be fine based on, on the move to Joe Wood. Yeah, and if they're going to play a lot of nickel and dime, I mean, you're going to need more than five or six names. You know, obviously we've talked about, you know, we think they feel pretty highly of A.J. Green, you know, who they got through, you know, undrafted free agency, uh, gave him a ton of money, essentially paid him, you know, the equivalent of what you would pay for a seventh-round pick. Um, Red Wine is certainly going, you know, to be an interesting one in that respect. Pete, gun to your head right now today, which linebacker leads the Browns in defensive reps in 2020? I mean, I'll I'll say Taki Taki entirely because he, um, in addition to the fact he's the most experienced, uh, at least in in Cleveland, uh, of that of that group that has you know what I think is NFL talent. Um, sorry, Mac. Uh, the the <laughs> the fact that he can blitz, he can pass rush. I think is is a real big selling point for him. They can disguise some of the things they want to do. Um, and have him sort of control the line of scrimmage in, in more like a Sam backer, even though he's technically at will. Um, and he's a guy who can, you know, he, he may not have much experience against uh, pass coverage and stuff, but he was really effective playing the run and, and being that physical presence, which I think is a huge part of what this defense wants to do. Own rundowns, control the line of scrimmage, particularly in the box, uh, you know, put them in second and, and third and long, force them into passing situations, and then get off the field. So right now, I think Sione Takutaki probably stands out as the guy I think will get the most, which I don't know how much that means, but yeah. It's it's a tough one here, and and I think everybody you – now look, you know, Mac played a ton last year. Obviously, you know, injuries dictated that. Um, normally you're not, you know, you don't draft somebody in the fifth round and assume, you know, he's going ahead and go start 14 games for you. He's going to take the second most, you know, reps at a positional group, which is the way it worked for Mac Wilson last year. Um, and the other thing is, you know, look, you know, you know, this our guy thing, you know, and I don't mean to like harp on that, like everybody's the same here, but we, again, we, we're not really sure what this staff or what this front office truly thinks of Mac Wilson. Look, to give the kid the credit in the world, he's working his tail off. The question is, you know, what, from what, what did he take away from last season? You know, I mean, did, you know, what did he pick up, you know, from his transactions, transgressions from the, you know, the, the issues he had on the field last year? Um, It's look, it's great to be in the gym every day. It's great to be busting your ass that way. But, you know, a lot of it for him is, you know, and like you said, as far as, you know, reading it a lot, I mean, for Mac, a lot of it's, it's film and, you know, you know, that can't always be taught. You can either read and react on a football field and understand what is being done against you, or essentially you're not, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's it, it's really difficult, you know, and it's talked about all the time. Yeah, you can watch all the film in the world, but if you don't necessarily completely understand every facet of it and phase of it and what exactly your opponent is trying to do to you, it, it you know, I'm not saying it's going to be counterproductive, but it, it, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to do to just take watching an opponent and saying, all right, A, B, C, and D, this is what I'm going to have to do on this play. This is what I'm going to have to do on this play. All right, well, if they're doing this to me, i got to make sure that this guy gets my outside shoulder, not my inside shoulder. There's just so many variances to it, Pete. Sure. I mean, look, some of this just comes to your ability to sort of see what's going on and, and sort of understand the game on a bigger level. Some of it is just how you were taught to play it. I mean, you know, some of these guys – you know, or like like a, maybe a Mac Wilson would certainly fit in this category. Who were like supremely, unbelievable 
you know, players growing up, they didn't have to do this. They just saw a dude and they went and tackled him. And it was just that easy. And, and all the other stuff was sort of whatever. And, you know, it, it, some of this just, you, you didn't see the game that way. And it's not difficult to sort of do it over again. And some of it's just, uh, you know, you don't sort of see it that, that way. Um, you know, some guys show the ability to sort of adapt and, and adjust and evolve. But, like, you know, that's part of the reason they, they seem to really like Jacob Phillips. For all the, the, the criticisms I've seen of him, um, you know, I, I wasn't super high on him myself. But just watching him, he sees the game really, really well. Like he, like, understands what's going on. And, you know, he, him and Delpit both are really, really smart football players. And those things stand out with what they're doing and how they anticipate the game. And it's difficult to do that. But, like, I know a lot of people like Mac Wilson. Uh, but, like, when you get – you know, from a TV angle, it's tough to sort of see, but he's making some awful, awful run reads and he's watching the wrong things. He's not keying on the right uh, parts of the play and he ends up woefully out of position. And some of the stuff that was being lobbied at, lobbed at uh, Joe Schobert and saying, well, Joe Schobert's not very good. Look how much yardage they give up. It's because he was tackling plays that were supposed to be Mac Wilson's plays. And, you know, that's, we'll, we'll see how much that matters. But like, I expect at some point, and, and I hope Mac Wilson, you know, proves me wrong. He can, he can come in and tell me to shut it on the show uh, if he comes out and he, he's great this year. But uh, it would not, won't surprise me in the least if, like, Mac Wilson is on, you know, a, the bench or a, a limited role player and people are like, well, wh- wh- why isn't this guy playing? And these are the reasons. It's because he really was – it struggled. And he was put in an awkward position last year. He, bit, yeah. he only started one season at Alabama. He was raw. He needed another year. He declared out of largely financial hardship, and your heart goes out to him at that point. He, he felt like he had to go. Um, he gets – Kirksey goes down for the year. He's thrown in as a starting uh, linebacker immediately. He's clearly not ready, and he's tr- you know trying to make the best of it, and he makes his share of plays. And obviously the, the preseason game where he you know hauls into interceptions, everybody's like, oh, my God, this guy's a star. And they, they keep assuming that, but he it was it was a brutal, brutal year for him in terms of you know what what he actually put on tape. Well, and the thing is, you know, the one thing that was supposed to be his calling card was coverage, and you know that was you know coverage was just as bad as run defense. So look, I mean, it's it's going to be crazy how the linebacker position works. And look, it could be Taki Taki, it could be Jacob Phillips. Hell, it, maybe it doesn't be Mac Wilson. But you know, that's one if you really wanted to, uh, you know, maybe gamble so to speak. That's probably a fun one here as far as who is going to be, you know, the linebacker that plays the most for this team. Because right now, I'll be honest with you guys, I ain't got an answer as far as that one's concerned. Let me get to a little bit more here. Apparently, the Browns just added to the front office. So we'll get to that a little bit more here. Locked on Browns, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. Again, Blinkist.com slash NBA. Try it for free for the first seven days. All right. Uh, before we get to the new hire, Pete, how about, Pete, looking over the skill. And there's a ton here on the offensive skill positions. Somebody's going to kind of be like the odd guy out here, I think. Um, you know, could it be Kareem? You know, Higgins is obviously here trying to get himself, you know, a payday most likely somewhere else going into 2021. But, you know, you're three deep at the wide receiver position. You drafted someone there. David Hooper, who who knows where the third tight end plays into all this. 
it's somebody's probably going to end up on the wrong side of touches here and statistical out, you know, statistical production at the end of the year here that they're not going to be too thrilled about. Sorry. Uh, you mentioned tight ends. That's I, I didn't hear the rest of that. Statistical production here from the skill group. It's deep everywhere. Somebody's going to end up the guy, you know, essentially playing musical chairs where they didn't get nearly the opportunities they felt they were going to get going into this year. Well, I mean, the popular theory right now is it's David Njoku. Um, and I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, only, and, and it's not to say that he's going to go out and necessarily have like 90 catches or something, but he may have a bunch of touchdowns just because Baker Mayfield likes throwing to tight ends and he likes throwing to David Njoku in the red zone which doesn't mean he won't throw to Austin Hooper, but uh, even when he had uh, Odell Beckham and, and Jarvis Landry, he kept throwing to Demetrius Harris. So, I mean, he just, oh. he, just like, he just like big old bodies down there. So, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to know what, like how this is going to work out. And it may just be that sort of a, there's just a, a few surprises like Odell Beckham might be a guy who who doesn't have a ton of like receptions but maybe he has a ton of yards and that's maybe due to a more of a comfort level with Landry and stuff like that but we'll see that may change because right now uh you know Landry's probably got another month and a half of rehab and Beckham at least theoretically is going to be cleared pretty soon and obviously uh you know uh Baker Mayfield has a bunch of receivers down in Austin, working out with them, including Austin Hooper and David Njoku, which is only going to help them, uh, that, you know, maybe Beckham can sort of make up some of the ground, you know, finally being healthy, uh, and they can start developing that. But it's really difficult to know. And, and obviously, like last year, my theory was always going to be that Odell Beckham is going to get a ton of production, and it was always going to be a question of who's that second guy, and that would sort of be – you know, some random thing. Like one week it might be Landry, one week it might be Njoku, one week it might be uh, Higgins. And it turned out it was no one other than uh, Landry and then and then Beckham because everybody else was injured. Um, so, you know, you're hoping – I think what I'm hoping for more than anything is Baker Mayfield gets back into that mode of, hey, he's open, get him the ball. And, and you know, in 2018 where the ball is suddenly thrown at his fullback uh, – you know, that nobody expects to touch the ball because he's open and that's what you want. And hopefully this offense is going to create more opportunities for those kind of gimme plays and, and, and eliminating some of those forced throws that, that resulted in tips and interceptions and stuff like that, that you just, you get past that stuff. Like we just want to see open guy get ball. Which was a key, you know, whether it was Fells or, or how many times did they go four wide which, uh, with Duke in the backfield, you know, covered the receivers, you know, Duke could go out and run the Texas route. Simple, easy as pie, easy money. And yeah, it, with Baker has to get back to, and look, it's it's fantastic that you got, you know, headline names, headline producers at the wide receiver position, but that wasn't the best fit for Baker Mayfield. You know, with essentially what was a B squad in 2018, he was 10 times more efficient. He was, you know, his completion percentage higher the way he carried himself in the game he was just so much more com- comfortable with fine guy he's open hit guy let them do the rest and it just worked out so much simpler uh for him in 2018 you know maybe now where there's going to be more names involved here that are you know Austin Hooper obviously with a lot of production David Ajoku David Ajoku coming back Rashard Higgins who he's got a rapport with here if you got those five guys on the field 
hey, look, guys, if you're the open guy, you're going to get it. That's the way it's going to work here. Um, co- coverage is going to dictate it, you know, pressure, things of that nature. But, you know, just get back to fine guy, open guy, hit guy. Pete, the Browns have hired, and God, man, just go with some easier names. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa to be the v, uh, vice president of football ops under Andrew Berry, uh, previously part of the 49er staff, Pete. So another member into the front office here in Berea. Uh, Princeton guy from Ghana. So we're touching on a whole lot of areas that I like. Uh, <laughs> Pete is in his glory. He's not Nigerian, but nevertheless, the, the superhumans from, from Western Africa are always good for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, this was a, a step that was going to come. Uh, it was just a question of when. Uh, and you know, there was talk that it was going to be uh, the guy the, the, the guy from the Colts would have a role. And he still may, uh, their former GM. But he had to fill out his front office. And, you know, he sort of really hinted at a lot of internal hiring and promotion type stuff. But clearly this is this – is, uh, outside the organization coming from the San Francisco 49ers and, and another analytical mind uh, mm-hmm. and thought process and obviously part of a successful organization. So they're hoping that, uh, you know, they can, again, just getting smarter, adding more smart people in the organization, which has had at least what appears to be really positive results so far. And as we've been talking about, we are going to take every step to get all the necessary information to make the best decisions bringing somebody like this in only adds to what is that goal. Um, just, just smart. And, you know, look, if this is what you're going to do and you're going to go at this approach, analytic approach, you better go at it as hard as possible. And that is certainly, certainly what they are attempting to do here. Pete, Pete, latest over at Brown's digest on SI.com. Um, well, it's a lot on James Harrison. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's sort of a, a big thing that's blown up. Um, let's he was stupid. To, he this is so this is on him. Why look? I mean, I don't think anybody believes it didn't happen. Why would you say it, you dummy? Just don't say but it. He's clarified and sort of widened his criticism. It's it's interesting. Um, there's a rumor. This has not really taken off at all, which I thought it would. Uh, that the Seattle Seahawks uh, were in talks to trade Russell Wilson to the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then the Seahawks were then going to take Baker Mayfield. I assume that if this was ever entertained, it was because the Browns had, you know, first pick, fourth pick, three second round picks and all that stuff. And that it, they were going to have to give up a ton of them to, to, to make any deal possible with that. Uh, and then uh, Bill Callahan had his, uh, had his, his, his uh, conference call yesterday, which was odd. It was literally just him. That was a little bit of a surprise to me. But he talked a lot about a, a lot of stuff uh, on Judge Rick Wills and, and just his ridiculous library of knowledge. Um, I've got the first thing on Judge Rick Wills up, but there's going to be a, probably two more articles on on that stuff. So, but yeah, the James Harrison thing is fascinating to me, uh, and this is completely tribal. Everything about it. If you're a Browns fan, Bengals fan, you absolutely blew everything about this. If you're a Steelers fan, you don't. Uh, Sean Payton has already made this into a story I don't think the NFL can get away from uh, because he was uh, a little chesty on this one. Uh, so the, there's a lot there. Um, 
and, and any number of people have already come out and, and made statements about it. The Steelers have denied it. His agents denied it. All this type of stuff. But yeah, so it's uh, interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, look, I, I don't think anybody doubts it. That just the, the question and the timing of actually saying the words seem pretty, pretty peculiar for me, at least. I mean, good lord. I mean, I don't think anybody doubts it. What the frig would you even go to admit it for? Um, obviously, Pete just gave you the rundown and everything you're going to find at Browns Digest on Twitter, Browns Digest on SI.com. Pete and his team over there putting out some fantastic content day in, day out. Uh, you probably get you know five, six pieces a day for Pete. And obviously, Brandon and Sean over there continue to put out great work as well. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore show itself at Locked on Browns, all over case. Uh, DMs are open. Follow back account. You guys know the drill there. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs open as well. Uh, you know, questions, ideas for the show. Um, everybody in Ohio, I understand you're really getting close to some normalcy here. Be safe about it. Be smart about it. Just because things are open doesn't necessarily mean the threat is there. And I'm Pete, maybe I'll let you speak on this here for a minute because obviously, you know, you're a lot more familiar and obviously in the situation. But guys, just don't let it get to your head. It doesn't mean that the the threat or the element of the threat still isn't there. Well, here's what I can tell you. I, I have to go get a haircut on Monday. And I was told I have to wait in the car, call them when I arrive. They'll essentially wave me in, and I have to wear a mask. So they are uh, they are at least deadly serious about it. Um, and, and I'm hoping that's sort of the approach most of these people have, that, look, if, if nothing else, if you're a business, the last thing you want to have happen is that this happens and, you know, it's either linked to you, your business is responsible for, you know, people getting sick or, you know, just losing customers because they think they got sick at, at, at your place of business. So even just the um, appearance that you're um, trying to do your best on that front is really important. and you know, for that, for those people, like, uh, getting, getting those types of things done, I would, I would say, please, if you can, uh, be very generous with, uh, tips and those types of things for those people, because obviously, you know, they're probably as much as I think as much as people want to get back to work, they, they can't help but be at least a little bit nervous, you know, of, of what, you know, the trade-off is. So, uh, hopefully, you know, it can be, not terribly stressful. I mean, it's going to be tough. There's just no way around it. It's going to be difficult. People are going to get frustrated with things, but uh, try your best not to, you know, uh, try, I guess try to be patient with those people in particular, but especially for these people who are sort of, you know, I, I don't want to say risking themselves, but they are. Uh, do the best you can to make sure that they feel uh, like they are really appreciated. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, because it's it's really, really tough because, you know, some of these people are going back to work and they're not necessarily sure, you know, if it's right for them or not. But, you know, sometimes I mean, you, you got to make money and, you know, but you also have to worry about, you know, the people that you live with, you know, your, your family, your extended family. You know, it, it's just a tough situation here for all. But guys, just because, you know, you're starting to, to get some opening here, don't I mean, don't go with the spring break approach of Yahoo and like everything's back to normal here. You have no way of knowing that just yet. So please, everybody, be safe because the last thing you want to do is to have this turn around in three weeks, two weeks, 
and have everything shut down again here. Um, and when you're going to get those haircuts, guys, um, look, it's, it's, it's mid-May already, man. Just go. Let's go extra tight. Let's go extra short here. Um, this way, God forbid, if it does happen again, maybe uh, you won't be in such a bind here uh, if you have to end up waiting again for two months here. This has been your daily delivery of all things to all pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.